Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 197 of the podcast that was originally recorded on March 22nd of 2018. Eric and I continue going over our top 100 board games as we work our way to episodes 200. In this episode, we discuss numbers 80 to 61 of our top 100 board games. Hope you enjoy the podcast. gamers welcome to the games this is joe Luzzi from what i'm playing now and welcome to another episode of the what i'm playing now podcast i would like to welcome everybody to episode 197 of the podcast and again back with me for another week of talking games is eric eric how are you doing this evening um great today joe you know i couldn't leave you alone to talk about games by yourself I know, and I appreciate that because I'm sure everybody is hoping we're going to continue. And I will drop a little hint: we are, we are continuing the countdown of our top 100 games as we lead up to episode 200. I believe today we are going to go over games 80 to 61. You got it right this week. I got it right this week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, shooty scores downtown. Boom shakalaka. Boom goes the dynamite. All right. So is there anything else we want to talk about? Um, anything that we've been playing? Do we want to talk about a few of the things that we've played recently? Do we want to talk a little bit about Castell? Since we played that the other night? No, I think we could save that for another time because I want to try it. I want to try it a few more times. Yeah. All right. All right. I thought it was kind of I thought it was a little interesting. I figured maybe we just chat about it for a few seconds, but that's okay. We will let that go for another episode. I guess we're going to jump right into the continuation of the top 100. Dun, dun, dun. Do you want me to go first this week? Yeah, go ahead. All right. I will start off. Number 80 is a game I picked up. I think this was one of my early first Kickstarters, if I remember correctly. I think I got this as a Kickstarter. I don't think I got it down at the game store. I think I think I I think I did kickstart it because I think this was before the the store was actually getting in kickstarters. This is from Level Ninety Nine Games, designed by D. Brad Dalton Talton Jr. Um, released in twenty sixteen. This is a take on collectible card games, a game called Millennium Blades. Yay. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to play this one. I played it with you. You did? Oh, that's right, <laughs> dude. That's been a couple of years. I couldn't remember. I know I played it. I know I played it several times, and I know the second time or the second or third time I didn't play it with you. Um, but yeah, Millennium Blades. Um, for those who aren't familiar with this, this is taking collectible card games to a whole different level. This is where you are a person who is collecting cards for a collectible card game. You will then try to take those cards, kind of build a deck, um, and there's like the, the whole first half of the game, I guess you could say, is like an auction game because everybody has money and you're in, and the money in this game is probably besides the metal coins that come in some games nowadays, as far as paper money goes, this is the coolest thing about one of the coolest things about the game. They have you actually take stacks of money that count as, you know, like dollars, like you're buying, spending all this money on these packs of cards and the cards themselves actually look like a pack of cards when you're buying them. But 
what you are purchasing is actually you're purchasing the more rare and ultra rare cards. They're not giving you any crappy commons or uncommons or anything or no lands if you were playing some games like we all know. <laughs> um, so what you're trying to do is in the first half during this auction one, during the auction phase, everybody has stacks of money. You're trying to trade cards with other people. You're trying to spend your money on cards that are in the center of the table. You can either draft cards that are face up or actually do blind draws onto cards. And you're trying to build um, a deck of cards or something that you're going to be able to compete with in the second half of the game. In the second part of the game, what you're going to be doing is you're going to take those cards and basically there's going to be multiple rounds where everybody's going to try to see who has the most points or something. It's been a while since I played this game, but I think each round you're trying to see um, who has like the most points or who can do the most damage and stuff like that. And you know, you're going to win different things. So it's, it's really cool. I mean, it's really interesting. I've bought a bunch of the, I bought several of the expansions and I've never even touched any of the expansions. I've only ever played with the base game and, you know, mixed up some of those cards and everything, but there are so many cards for this game, I actually don't think I actually have all of the expansions. I think some of the late, latest ones that were released, some of the smaller packs, I haven't picked up because we just haven't gotten this one to the table for a while. But it's a game that I really liked. I definitely thought it deserved to be on the list here. And in, when we were going through the checkout of everything, it ended up at number 80 for me. And that's Millennium Blades. Yeah, it's a good game. I, uh... I really, I really liked it. It's just a little bit hard to get certain people into it. It's it's definitely a niche game, especially since your since it's a game about collectible card games. So it's like the meta of the meta and everything. And the funny, one of the other funny things about the game is that they have meta cards, which actually changes um, the round. You know, like the meta changes for the round. So you have these cards that flip over during the game that can kind of change the meta and what's kind of popular and what can affect a different thing. So, you know, it's, it's, they've really taken what you think could be a more laughable type of game, you know, our product. And, and it's, it's really fun. It was really cool. The first, you know, when we played it those first several times. Mm -hmm. And if, if you've played collectible card games, it's, it just kind of, and I haven't played them recently, um, but being big into several of them back in the day when they were first released, it 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 was just something that kind of just hit a spot. Like, yeah, this is this is just fun <laughs> <laughs> playing a game about the game of collecting of collecting collectible card games. Yeah. So, what's your number eighty, sir? All right, my number eighty is a quicker family game at least quicker than millennium blades was but it's a city building drafting game from days of wonder called quadropolis nice nice and i believe i first played this with you uh, um, very possible and the f the first time i played it i remember saying okay this game is really fun and i immediately knew i was going to leave the store with it that night so and it looks good too it does, except for my copy has a bunch of spilled Diet Dr. Pepper all over it at one point. But <laughs> not even, even going to ask about that. I mean, I, I guess I know who did it because you drink Dr. Pepper. So yeah, that was it was a game night accident. Guessing it was you. Yes, yes, it's not fun, but uh, but it's a quick game where you have, depending on the mode you choose, you have either four. Yeah, I think it's always four choices to draft tiles from this 
little five by five grid and each tile has a number on it and wherever you place it around the grid you have to count spaces into the grid and then you draft that tile that you're pointing at and then you move a little pawn on top of the place where you went so no one else can place one of their tiles pointing at that so it's a little bit of way of blocking people and then you just add it to this little grid in front of you with specific placement rules and then after four or five rounds depending on the mode again where you just count up points based on how your city is and they these different buildings will score depending on how they're oriented on the board and the basic version is really fun it's really nice and simple to play the expert version i think it's called adds some more buildings and gets a little bit crazier but not too crazy but overall i think it's a really nice city building game one of the few i actually have i think but we'll see how that works and days of wonder always makes good production the the meeples in it are what like clear plastic acrylic they're like translucent. They are yeah, they're nice. Definitely. The game definitely I remember when the store first got it in and we sat down to play it the first time. I was like, wow, it's you know, everybody walking by is like, okay, what game is that? Because it definitely is a game that draws your eyes just right to it. Mm-hmm. You know, just from the look of it. And then to have good gameplay as well is, you know, just the icing on the cake there. Yeah, I need to play it again some more because I, I think I think I liked it a lot more as a four-player game because the whole grid is always full. So it just seems more interactive than right. playing with two or three because those are they have spaces already taken off the board, so certain tiles aren't even showing up. So it's one I don't get to play too often anymore, but it's one I need to. Yeah, I remember when it first came out, I, I know it was hitting the table quite a bit. I know I was something that I played quite a bit down at the, down at the local game store. Mm-hmm. Let's keep it moving, Joe. Let's All keep right. it going. My 79 is a game from 2012 published by minion games designed by Brandon Tibbetts. This is a game called the Manhattan project. Sounds like and a this bomb. Is, this is a worker placement game and you are basically trying to, um, you're going to have multiple projects that you're going to try to be working on, building bombs, um, kind of like a bomb infrastructure, you could say, um, kind of like expanding your military and everything. You're going to be able to um, steal uh, stuff from your opponents as well. And it's just it was just a really interesting worker placement game the first time I played it. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. It's been a while since I have played this one. This one's not in my collection. Um, but it is a very, very fun worker placement game. And if you have never played it, I would definitely suggest trying to get it to the table. Um, cause it was really cool. Yeah. I haven't played that one yet. I've played energy empire and I think what's holding me back from the playing the first one is I think they're supposed to have a sequel, aren't they? I think so. And I've never played energy empire. Really? Yep. I've wanted to. But never have. Oh, you need to try that one, Joe. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, all right. Well, I'll, I'll keep it family-friendly over here. And this is a game from one of my favorite designers. I've only played it as a solitaire game, but it can be played cooperatively with up to five players. 
And it's a game called Okie Dokie. Which you are completely clueless right now. Okie dokie. No, I've heard of it before. I've never played it, but I have I, heard of it. Essentially, this is a game where you shuffle up a deck of cards and there's five different colors with numbers one through eight. And you are trying to get each row uh, to move up from a lower number to a higher number in sequence. And what you do is you play it where whatever row you're in or column you're in, you have to play. So pretty much four of the five cards have to be played different colors because always one turn, there's going to be one of the rows that needs a reset. And essentially that resets the numbers back to zero. And after you reset the cards, you're allowed to kind of tuck some under the bottom of the draw deck. And you got to work to get all these cards played. And there's a, a couple difficulties where it adds a couple cards into it where it kind of plays as an equal and you can bury a card under it. So essentially, if you have like a two, the next card you play might be like a one. But because you play a wild card on top of it, it's essentially the same number and you can keep going. It's a little bit hard to understand, but. It's a fun little game. Takes maybe 10 to 15 minutes. That's not bad. But a nice little filler game. Plus the uh, the art on it is really nice with cool. uh, cute cartoony animals playing instruments. All right. Well, we're going to get a, take a step away from a family-friendly game mm-hmm. and talk about, of course, something maybe a little bit heavier than that. This is a game from 2004. Ooh, Published by old. 2F Spiele, designed by Freedom and Freeze. Uh-huh. Power Grid. Hmm. Okay. Power Grid is a game where you're basically trying to expand your grid of power, your network that you're you're supplying power to cities across the board. Uh, the thing I think I like about this game is the the first part of the game has a very, very interesting auction mechanism to it. One that I have really enjoyed the several times that I have played this game. Um, this is definitely, I don't want to say it's a heavy game, um, but it's it's a little bit more, you know, it's, it's, it's probably a medium, definitely a medium weight game, I would say. I would agree with you. Um, but you know, it's, there's a lot of different maps. I haven't played a bunch of the different maps in this one. I think I've just played the actual normal map, both, you know, the several times that I played it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think we've ever tried any of the other maps that I can remember. Um, but it's, if you've never tried this one, it's a very good strategy game. If you like auction games, I would definitely say, give this one a shot. Um, and it's one that. I just wanted to make sure it was on my list. It's pretty low, though. Pretty low. I really don't play it that much. Mm, I gotcha. Okay, my number 78 is somewhat of a historically themed game. But it's also a racing game. And that game is Steampunk Rally. Hmm. From Roxley. 
Nice. And the reason I like this one is because it's not just a racing game. It's also a drafting game, as well as an engine building game, as well as a dice rolling game. And there's a lot of stuff going on in this one because <laughs> you're picking one of these old scientists from history. You could be like Tesla or or Toyota, I believe. And there's Marie Curie, I believe, is in there. There's a whole bunch of people. There's like 18 different scientists. And each round you're sitting there, you're drafting cards or using them to get dice. And these cards eventually add up to be your vehicle. But they also let you build an engine because you need these dice to start powering it. And you start making all these cool combos to get your 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 crazy contraption to to move towards the finish line. You're really just racing forward, trying to get in first place, obviously. But it's it's really fun. It's, once you get through the drafting phase each round, everyone just kind of does their thing really quick, and it it moves by really quick. So as soon as people know what they're doing it's just okay we're all going to do this simultaneously let's go and it starts speeding up the first couple times you play it you probably want to do everything in a turn order of some way because it's a little bit funky to understand at first but once you get going it it moves really fast and it's really great though because you're sitting there rolling those dice and you're like i need something good here and then you you start getting this crazy combo going and it's so satisfying that i just love it and it's a great one. It's got some variability because you can actually customize the track, which I believe last episode I said I don't have many racing games that does that, but I guess I have another one now that I think of it. You can blow up your car and lose pieces. You can blow up your car and <laughs> head up, end up in last place, and and there's even other sides of the board where it has other things. I still haven't even played that other side yet. There's like jumps and everything, Mario Kart style. It's essentially Wacky Races, the scientific board game. Yeah. It, it was cool. I liked when we played it. It's very fun. It goes up to eight players, so not not a lot of games do that that are like Euro games, which this right. really kind of is. Mm-hmm. So it's a really great one. I would agree on that. Cool. So everyone should check that out. All right. My number 77, published by Amigo, is what it says here on Board Game Geek. Designed by Reiner Knizia, 1995. Kicking it old school. Yeah. Little little Medici. Ooh. Medici. Um, I, I don't know what it is with auctions. This has, of course, an auction bidding mechanism to it. You're also trying to do some set collection. On a turn, players are going to turn over one to three cards. Everybody's going to bid on it. Um, you're trying to basically fill up your ship. And you're going to do this over the course of three rounds. Um, you're trying to collect different goods, and it's kind of like the gist of it, super high level. We're not going to go into it very high or very deeply or anything, but um, I remember when I played this, I think the first time I played this, I was like, huh. I go, I have never played this one, and I go, I really enjoyed this one. It is a really fun game. I I just recently played the card game version of it. I have not, and I'd like to try the card game version of that and see how Ooh, it is. You, you got to try it out. It's pretty good. I'll, I'll so, give it that. Medici, my number 77. Okay, my number 77 has a number in it. Uh-oh, is it 77? No, it's actually not. Oh, boy. <laughs> in your Batman voice. <laughs> but my number 77 is a worker placement game. 
Dun, dun, dun. Shocking Joe right you, there. Considering you never used to like those, I am impressed. It's also a worker placement deduction game. Called Code of Nine. Oh, okay. Which I don't know if you've played this or not. Did I subject you to this? I thought we did one day. I thought we did one day we played this one. I thought. Okay. You might have. I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure who I played it with. Yes. Yes. Because you're putting your, you're putting your worker on your, there's the different cards that are out there and it's kind of like the, not the personality of the person, but you're trying to figure out. Yeah, I, we, it's we, the way, we, yeah, you, 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 we've, we've standard it. worker placement and you, you just sit there, you have two cards and for four players, there's eight total cards yep. and they, they tell you how you're going to score that game. So you're sitting there taking these spots, trying to get items and also trying to see what other players cards are. Cause somewhere along the line, somebody might mess with you and say, Hey, I'm going to get a whole bunch of these. And you're thinking, Oh, let me go get a whole bunch of those too. And then you're realizing, Oh, I'm just getting a bunch of negative points right now. And wow, I totally screwed myself. I should have waited. You're really trying to figure out a whole lot of stuff. It's, it's a crazy concept for a game, but it is yes, really it is. fun though. Yeah. And it's very underappreciated. I see it. I saw it at the one store in like the bargain bin recently. And I'm like, this game needs love. <laughs> like I would have bought it if I didn't have it already. <laughs> but totally worth it. it. You could have bought I, it and given it to somebody. Well, it's, it's such a it's it's such a quirky idea for a game, but it's so fun and it, it goes by. You could play it in maybe like twenty minutes because it's so quick. As soon as you know what you're doing, you just boom. Yeah. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. But it's very satisfying. And, you know, I love deduction games. So anyone that's a little unique, I'm all for it. So that's Code of Nine. Okie doke. My number 76 is a game from 2011, published by Egrich Spiel, designed by Inca brand Marcus Brand, a little game called Village. Ooh, dun, dun, dun. This is a worker placement set collection style game, and you're kind of playing through generations of your family. And as you're playing through the game, you're going to have to kill off your family members and put them in the graveyards. And you're going to want to do this and make sure you do it at a certain time because playing um, your workers properly into their burial graves can get you some good points um, if done properly. Uh, for being a worker placement game, this was one of the earlier ones that I think I played. I've also played with a couple of the expansions. Um, okay. Port is one and i can't remember what the other one is off the top of my head the no, in i believe yes i think i i think i played with both of them actually um both add just more places to go and just a few more resources and stuff that you're going to be working with but uh some of the different things you can do in this game uh you can actually your workers can will go into a bag and there is a phase where you're actually drawing workers out i think if you went to the church um, to the cathedral, I think you're going to be pulling workers out of the bag and trying to get some additional workers. It's There's just a lot of different kind of mechanisms kind of happening in this one. And it's one I've never added to my collection, but I think I kind of really do. It's a really cool one. And I think Kim would probably like this one too. Um, well, let me, just, let me know whenever you want to play really it because I picked concept. it up recently. I was going to say, I thought you had recently just picked this up. So we might need – the ne one of the next game nights we have, we may need to uh, pull this out and teach this one to Kim. 
I would like to. I still haven't played it yet, but it's oh, it's it's a good one. I'm, it, it's it's a good one. I like. I'm it. looking forward to it. I love that unique death mechanism. It's 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 crazy because you feel really bad having to kill off, you know, your oldest generation of workers and trying to bring new ones into the game, mm-hmm. but you have to. And like I said, if done properly, you can get some good scoring points there in that, um, you know, by doing that. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting mechanism, and that's why I picked it up, because I'm like, oh, I don't have anything like that. Yeah. And it sounds up my alley, because I do like the designer's games. It's a good one. It's a good one. That's why I made my list at number 76, and that's Village. Okay, my number 76 is an auction game. Uh-oh. From Reiner Knizia. What? <laughs> Get out. And this one is called mm, Modern Art. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying I to like fake you out art. there. I was trying to I fake like, you out there. I like Modern Art. I'm trying to think if I put Modern Art actually onto my list. I can't remember if I did or not. And I really like that one. I probably should have if I didn't. Yeah, well, you should definitely pick up this game, Joe. But it, this is just auctions upon auctions. And all you're doing is putting cards out for auction you're either gonna buy them you're gonna sell them so you're either making money or you're losing money and i'll tell you what it is a crazy thing because i played it recently with the full five players even mm-hmm. yuki was playing it with me too and we we suck at auction games because you never know what what the hell you want to bid and we're sitting there playing it started off slow and all of a sudden we're like Okay, okay, we, we're trying to think this methodically, and all of a sudden we were playing with old Jim, and he starts getting into it. He's like, okay, people, I, I want you I, – can I hear this over here? He's going all crazy. We got all into it. We we went nuts for it, and all of a sudden I was like, damn, this is – as soon as you actually put some uh, some feeling into the auctions and everything yes. and actually make it, it, it's a hell of a game, and you're like – I, I think it's, it's, it's a good game. I will not – deny it anything but i think the group does make it because when i played that one as well mm-hmm. down at the store we had a great group playing and we all were getting into it and it was just crazy fun <laughs> yeah and it's uh, a quicker game too yes it you is know, it's, it's 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 one you can knock out a couple of playthroughs you know really quickly yeah i think so and i mean unless somebody's really dragging ass over there yeah, but yeah but it, it is a pretty quick game. And, it, and just because you're sitting there talking the whole time, it goes by a lot faster than you think. Cause you're, you're kind of just really living on the edge of your seat there. Cause you know, it's, it's great when you're sitting there next to somebody. And I remember the last game, me and Jim were sitting there looking at each other and I got him into a bidding war and we're just, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting there like I'm trying to play him as best as I can. And we're looking at each other. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to go one higher than you. And he just kept going. Unfortunately I pushed my luck enough. Cause I, I lost the game by like five dollars. No, because because I won the last auction. I would have probably won it if I didn't. But ah, oh, that's a hell of a game. It's so it fun is. to, that's to a, play. It is a good one. That's my number seventy six. Modern art. All right, I'm going to jump over to my seventy five. A game from 2015, published by Z Man. Designer was Dan Cassar. This is a little card game that was very hard to pick up originally, and I grabbed it right when it came out because it kind of sounded interesting. I think I'd heard about it on a couple of podcasts that I listened to. I can't remember if it was on Onboard Games or which one was talking about it. I think it was Onboard Games they were talking about it. And I grabbed it, and it's called Arboretum. Yeah. 
Arboretum is a game where you're basically trying to um, play cards and collect trees and build like an Arboretum of trees in front of you in a tableau. And you have to build, when you're building it, you have to kind of put certain colors. You don't have to put certain colors next to each other, but you want to try to get the colors certain colors as long as you can because that's what's going to score you the most points there is it's very simple to learn but the strategy and the scoring is definitely what makes it a great great strategy game plus the cards also look great with all the different kinds of trees on there and the colors that you can get on your tableau in front of you um it's a game that when it first came out kim and i played it constantly (laughs) <laughs> we we were we would just play this one, you know. We were playing. This is this is another card game that just hit the table a lot when we first got it, and we have not played it recently. And she saw it late, lately, and she was like, she was, "We need to play that." And I'm like, I, "We do." I go, "I need to read the rules again," but we do. <laughs> Don't say that because I said that recently too. I'm like, I haven't played this in a while. With Arboretum. Yeah, yeah, it's I liked yeah. I, it. It's a little bit weird to understand at first, but the scoring can get a little funky. Um, but once you once you do understand the scoring and you get it down, it's just a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm, hmm, I don't know if I put this on my list because hmm. if that, I'm surprised if it wasn't on your list. That's that was it was one when I was going through all the podcasts. I was like, okay, well that needs to be on there. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. could I couldn't leave that one off. It could just be just because I haven't played it in a while, so I might have forgot about it. Yeah. Okay. So All right, you're, you're 75. My 75. 75. Is somewhat of a card game. And it is a unique theme about a certain sport. And our good buddy, the invisible guy, Dave, that we keep talking about, he was the one who actually forced me to play this, a copy that I actually had. So... He forced me to play this surfing game called Tavarua. You bought this, though, I thought. I did, yeah, and I didn't play it until Dave forced me to. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't played this one. And you guys, he's talked about this one quite a bit, and he sounds like like he really liked it. This this game, the rulebook for this game makes it seem like it is the most damn difficult game ever. But all it is is you play a card and whatever whatever position on your surfboard you play it as it's it either means you're going to paddle out, move up a board or you're going to catch a wave or you're going to paddle back to the shore and maybe try to switch your surfboard. But that's it. It's just play a card and you either move or something happens. And all you're trying to do is you're moving on this board and waves keep coming at you every turn which are represented by dice and they're it, the dice are randomized, so it's like different levels of a wave. So the higher they are, the harder it is to get to. And you're just you're playing a card, and you're you're trying to catch this wave. And really, everything's just randomized, like the water. So you you, you pull out a wave card, and it says, "Okay, well this one forces your balance to go back or whatever, or forward on your surfboard." And then your card that you play is forcing you to go back or forward on your surfboard. So you're really trying to just use your cards to maintain balance on a surfboard, which is right in front of you. And you have like a little balance token on it. And you're just trying to go back and forth. The The cool thing about it is the scoring because you have scores for a longboard, 
and a short board. Mm -hmm. And what you have to do is whatever your best score is on each one, that's your score for that board. So you're trying to balance out good scores between both of them because at the end of the game, when this draw deck runs out, what you're going to do is you compare and you see who's the short board and the long board champion. And whoever has the highest score for each of those, well, they get a trophy, so they're, they're the champion. And then only one of those two, those two people can win the game. And the winner is whoever has the higher score of the other one that they didn't win. Okay. And it's crazy. So you really have to balance it out. And there's, there's some other rules in here I'm skipping over, but for, for purposes, it's, it's crazy. It's a very light game. A lot lighter than you actually think it is, but it's just fun. You're sitting there like, okay, we're doing this. As soon as you get in a groove, you're like, okay, next one, next one, next one. Keep going, keep going. You get it all going good, and it's it's great. The the theme is really great too because you got little cardboard surfboards and little meeples, and you got to sit there and like lay them down there like they're paddling out. That's when you hilarious. get when you get on the wave, you got to stand them up on their feet so it looks like they're surfing down the wave. It's, you could even wipe out and end up in the water, and then you know you're screwed. And there's like special special card powers you can do to like use other things help you out. It's a crazy game, but it's so fun. Cool, I want to try that one. Hell yeah, man, do it! And I'm it's, bring I believe it. that's I believe that's by um, designed by Cody Miller from Far Off Games. He did Zaya. That's correct. Drift system. That's correct. Haven't played that one, but Tavarua absolutely loved it. Yeah. All right, my number seventy four, a little racing game. Um, designed by Gordon Lamont, Fraser Lamont, published by, I think it was brought over here, Renegade in the U.S., so I'm going to say Renegade. Um, 2008 game, I know, I don't know if that's when Renegade brought it over or not, that could be the original release, um, Snow Tales. And I believe you had already talked about this one, so I don't think we're going to spend too much time on it. It is a it is a dog sled racing game where you're using cards in your hand to basically not only power your sled, but also try to figure out whether you're going to be turning left or right based on the numbers and the placement of the cards you're going to put onto your sled. Um, so, like I said, I don't want to talk about this one too much because I think we already talked about it on the last one when you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Um, a little higher for me. I like bit. racing. Little, I like just a little bit I, I, I like racing games, um, but I thought it was just a really cool concept and the cards controlling the sled very different than um, pretty much any other car race or any other car, any other racing game that I think I have. And I'm super glad that I picked that one up when I did. Yes, thank you for introducing that to me. Yep. All right, your seventy-four. All right, my seventy-four. Now to preface this. I think one of my favorite games when I was growing up that I, would, I could actually play with people at a tabletop was chess. Okay. And I think that goes into my current love for abstract games. I tend to like them, theme or no theme. I, I like games with a grid that I can move stuff on. And, well, this is the second game in a row that is about a place and I believe this game has popularized the current fad of of pretty abstract games. Even though this one's pretty light. Santorini. I have not played this one. Oh, this this one I could teach you here. This is ten seconds. All you do is you got two pieces on a board. All you do is you move them 
to one of the eight surrounding spaces next to wherever you are, and then you build on one of the eight surrounding spaces. And all you're trying to do is you're trying to build these towers that go from level one, two, to three. And you're trying to get one of your pawns on the third level. However, the good thing is that you can build on top of that third level, but it's a dome, and it essentially blocks the level from happening. And it's crazy when it comes out on the board because it starts looking like the buildings in actual Santorini, if you've actually seen pictures of the, of the actual place. And it looks really crazy. We've played this one a lot over here as a two-player game because you can play a game in five minutes and you could get a few going really quickly. The new version has god cards, which give you like a special ability each game. And we've played it so much already, we still haven't even used the god cards <laughs> or the expansion that oh, I wow. have with it too. So that's just to say there's a lot of replay- replayability just in the base game itself. And this base game comes with the cards, so we haven't even explored half of this stuff yet, and we're still having a good time with it. Cool. That, that's my 74, Santorini. Okay, my 73 is a game from 2014. North Star Games published it, designed by Dominic. I'm going to rip. I'm going to probably trash these names, but I'm going to give it a shot. Dominic Krapuchets, Dimitri Noor, and Sergei Machin. Um, if those are wrong, I apologize. <laughs> um, but we will move on. This is Evolution from 2014. Ooh. Um, I have played this game. I think I have actually played all of the expansions. Flight, Climate. Um, is there another one? No, that's it so far. I was going to say, I thought there were only those two. Um, and I really, every time I play this game, I really just enjoy it. Um, it is just a very interesting game. It has several different mechanisms in there. It definitely has some take that the first time I played it, I was playing as a carnivore character. (laughs) I was just devouring my opponents the first time I played it. And I kind of felt bad after the first couple of rounds. Cause I was just, I'm like, I got to feed people. You gone. And I was like, you gone. And I was just like going around the table, just eating everybody's species and nobody else could get, nobody else could get a carnivore to, to, to try to stop me and they weren't getting the cards finally after several rounds they got the climbing cards and all the different cards you know you can um you utilize to actually defend yourself against somebody who's playing a carnivore but um i was just having a lot of fun that first time and and it was funny i kind of had to go with the carnivore because it was one of the first cards i drew and i was like now let's see how this goes i've never played this before i want to be a carnivore and everybody's like okay <laughs> so um if you've never played climate or evolution um i wouldn't say it's too heavy a game i'd like to medium i would say it's very easy to pick up on um strategy wise can be a little tricky i would i think because um at the beginning of the game you're going to throw everybody throws a card into the center that's going to be the amount of food that's going to be be available for the round Um, so, you know, you kind of have like a little draft there that you're almost doing because based on the cards you have in front of you, everybody's going to go around and take food out. And there could be cards that allow you to take more food out, um, than just one per each of your species that you have out. So some people could be grabbing multiple foods and literally go through the food hole, you know, way faster than you would think. And you could possibly have some of your species starving and dying off. So really fun, interesting game. Um, 
I'm really not really too sure what else to say about this one. You so you I'm, could I'm say that it's I'm one of the most thematic games ever, man. It is. It is very thematic, and I'm interested to see if this one's higher on your list. Don't tell me. Okay. Don't try to make any facial expressions. I'll, I'm guessing I'll, it probably I'll leave is. you in suspense. But um, Evolution from North Star Games, I really enjoyed this one. And I actually was playing around. They actually have a digital version of this as well on Steam that I was able to do some early streaming on last year after Gen Con. Um, and the digital version actually plays very well. I got to try it out. I haven't played it in a while, but I need to because this this is this is honestly probably one of my favorite games that I don't get to play. Yeah, it's it's a really fun game. Yeah, I I, I want to try it. I want to get six people together, and I just want us to go all out attack each other. Chaos. I want chaos. <laughs> I, I I want it to be cutthroat because that game is that's that's so fun. I love it. Okay. All right. All we'll right. move on. Move we'll on. move on from animals killing each other to entertainment. I don't know. Let's go with that. All right. My number 73 is a game I first picked up in Japan. Of course. And afterwards, it got kind of a buzz in America because of the Dice Tower. And what it is, it's this is a quick two-player game about trying to gain the favor of different geishas. And the game is called Hanami Koji. So this is another one similar to Battle Line, which I mentioned in the mm-hmm. last, last podcast, episode, where yep. each, each round, or it could potentially be the game, could be one round, or you just have four actions that you go back and forth between the other player doing. You could either hide a card to keep out of the scoring. You can hide a card to include in the scoring at the end of a round. You can put two pairs of cards out and the other player has to pick two and you keep the other two. Or you could put three cards out there. The other player has to choose one of them to keep, and you get the other two. And all you do is you put these cards against their corresponding geisha, and whoever has more of those cards at the end of the round, they win the favor of that person. And all you're trying to do is get a certain amount of points or a certain amount of geishas to get their favor. And as soon as you do that, you win the game. And if you don't do it in the one round... You leave these little markers on them to show that you have their favor and you play another round. So you could potentially not even move a marker in e- either round and you'll still win somehow. Didn't our game of this when we played this, didn't it last forever? Because weren't we doing something wrong? Yeah, we, fr- we kept moving the markers back to the middle. <laughs> and then as, as soon as I saw that, I was like, son of a... I'm like, oh. I was going to say, with this game was fun, but I go, I think it drug out so long for us i was like oh my god what is wrong with this game <laughs> yep yep that, that was my bad when i first introduced it to everyone so that, that yeah so that, that kind of put a damper on people but it overall, was a good re- game it was a good game and it's really beautiful art too yes definitely so that's my number 73 hanami koji all right my number 72 was released 2016 this game was a little hard to get at first um, published by Formal Ferret Games designer Gil Hova, The Networks. In this game, you are playing 
a um, network executive where you are trying to um, set up a um, schedule of television shows on your network. You have to have ads, actors, and shows that will give you different bonuses um, through through the game. Um, this is probably, as I'm thinking about it, probably one of the funnier games that I own. And I think that is one of the things I like about it so much. There aren't too many games when you play them where you can sit there and just literally laugh out loud while you're playing them. <laughs> and this one, the parodies that it makes of actual television shows as well as actors and ads and stuff like that and has them in the game is just one that I remember, you know, as we're playing through everything and putting down the different shows, you're like, Oh, this is this show. Oh, this is this show. Oh, this is that person. And they're all just play on word type things that go along with it. But um, it's one that just, I remember laughing from beginning to end and there aren't too many board games I have in my collection that I can really say that about. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's a little higher on my list um, than it might be on most people's, but I, I really like the networks. I thought it was really cool. I think Gilhova did a great job on this one and I should be getting the expansion for this one in shortly as well. Yeah. I want to try that one again. Cause that one kind of fell flat as you obviously know, because the copy that's in your collection is a copy that I, Yep. told to you <laughs> or i believe we traded for I it actually so. for that one so yeah it's, it's it was a good game um at the but time I th- but i think what we traded you play your game a lot yes yes definitely and i, I think <laughs> i think the networks is i think you need more people for that game to yeah. be a little more exciting as a, as a two-player game it was kind of just okay right but with more than that, I with think it was more, a lot I think better. It was definitely a lot better. Yeah, agreed. But it, it's All a right. good game. I, as soon as you get that expansion, let me know because I want to try that. That was my seventy-two. What is yours? Okay, my seventy-two is a game that people will give me crap about because of the theme. And if it had a different theme, I think a lot more core gamers would like this as a filler game and it's very similar to your game arboretum this one is called zany penguins okay that's not what i was expecting but (laughs) continue (laughs) so this is a game where every player gets their own special draw deck of 18 cards and it's only special as in it's dealt out randomly every game. It's not that no one has the same cards. Everyone gets these cards and they start off with a certain amount in their hands. And every round, they draw two cards. And then what happens is you got to pick two cards and you're going to pass them one to the player on your left and one to the player on your right. And then they're going to do the same thing. So you're essentially going to get rid of two cards but get two cards back every round. And then what you do is you play one card in front of you. And what those cards do is they just add up of a certain color. I think there's four or five colors, and you're trying to have the the highest sum of numbers of that color at the end of the game. And what happens is, at the end of the game, if you win a color, what you get to do is you get to score the numbers on all the cards of that color in your hand. 
But if you don't win that number, you score the lowest number of that card in your hand. And you do that for all these, all these colors, and whoever has the most points wins. It's a very simple game. There is, there's a little bit extra where you could screw some other players. Like There's a chance to play two cards or a chance to stop somebody from playing cards. But it, it's, it's a simple game. And I think the theme makes it a little off-putting to some people, but it's a really good game. And it's a lot of tense decisions where you're like, well, do I want to give this player something or do I want to give them this? And what are they going to give me? Because, you know, the cards you're getting rid of are you're trying to screw everyone, obviously. And it's a crazy thing. So you're trying to figure out, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to start winning the majorities here? Do I want to just try to get rid of all these cards so I can at least get some points? It's a it's so fun, but it's just the penguin theme. It, it puts some people off. See, that's crazy. Who hates penguins? I mean, I'm a Linux admin. Tux is awesome. He's a it, it's a the really cute penguins. So the back of the cards are actually it's a giant penguin. Oh, that's cool. Like it's it's not just a like the whole thing. It's a, it's a black and there's some eyes and there's the white yeah. belly. It's it's a cute game, but all right, people quit hating penguins, damn it. Yeah, especially the zany ones. All right, so that was your seventy two. My seventy one is a game from twenty fourteen, um, published by. Well, here it says Leb- Libeled, Libeled, but I know that's not who did it. Maybe maybe that is Libeled. Um, Regis Bonasse is the designer, and I don't know if that sounds familiar to you or not. But I think I know where you're going. Seasons sounds familiar to you. This is in the same universe, and this is Lords of Zidit from mm-hmm. 2014. Um, this is a programming game. This is probably one of the first programming games I think I played down at the game store years ago. Um, when this first came out, I remember unboxing this one. We sat there and read the rules and everything, and we played this one several weeks in a row. Um, and I've played it multiple times since then. Uh, it needs three players. Um, probably one of the reasons why it is not in my collection. I only have a couple of three player games in my collection, although this one does deserve to be there. Um, I really just really enjoyed this game. Um, what you're doing is you're going to be moving around a board and the programming part of it is really interesting because what you could be trying to move towards on the board and hopefully trying to get one of the workers that's there. Um, somebody could beat you to there or beat you there to take one of those workers or possibly to fighting one of the monsters and taking one of the monsters. If you're trying to do that, um, it's the programming aspect of the game I thought was just really interesting. And every time I played this game, I've really had a great time with it. I wish it could be played as two players. I understand why it does need three or more. And I don't know if I've ever actually ever played it with three. I think I've only played it with four or five actually. Um, but the game, the board is also very good looking as well. Um, the little miniature pieces of the different sorcerers and all the different um, workers that are on that board um, that you're going to be picking up are, are really cool looking as well. Um, Lords of Zidit. If you like programming games, you definitely want to check this one out, I think. Yeah, I need to. I, I almost bought it in a discount bin one time, but... 
that well, three if player. I saw, if I saw it in a discount bin, even at three players, I would add it to my collection just for times where I either take it down to the game store or um, have people over to play it. Was it's definitely a good one. Yeah, definitely right? a lot of strategy to it as well. It's I, I, I need a, I need a good programming game. I don't think I have like a really a really good one yet. I have I have some solid ones, but none that are like amazing that I'm like I'm frosting at the mouth to play. So I, Lords, I really Lords need of Zedit is one of my favorite. You've you played Mex we played Mex and Minions. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that one though. It was, was kinda bland. It was kinda I bland. Thought, I thought it was okay. I mean a lot of people like it. To me it was okay. It's a, it was a tower defense game. That's not yeah. my style. I, I don't I, w- I would pick I would pick Lords of Zedit for my programming game probably. All right. Well, we're going to play it sometime. Oh, we do. All right. My number 71. Yes. Is a cooperative game. Dun, dun, dun. The first one that I think either of us have mentioned. Nope. Nope. Never mind. I did one already today. I screwed myself over. Ah. Oh, way to go. My 71 is a cooperative game in the Sherlock Holmes universe. It was originally a print-and-play game that got picked up by a major publisher. This is Beyond Baker Street. I have never played that one. Oh, I just played it recently, and this was a hell of a game. I want to play it a lot more now, too. So what it is, it essentially takes the Hanabi mechanism where you have cards, but the front of the cards are facing towards everyone else. Okay. And what you do is you're trying to accomplish a few goals. You're essentially trying to get one goal. It's this track. You're trying to get it up to a certain number. And what's going to happen is when it's your turn, you could do a few things. One is obviously give a clue to somebody, and it has the same Hanabi effect where you say, oh, well, you got this many of this type of card, or you have this many of this number. And what you're going to do with those cards is you're going to play them onto this board. And on the board, there are three different cards. They, they are essentially like the clues for the game that you're trying to solve the mystery of. And what you do is if you match the cards with the one that's out on the board, you have to try to get the cards you play to match the same number that's on top of the clue card at the top. And once you do, you can say, okay, we discovered this piece of evidence. We're good. We don't need to play anything else. But you could potentially screw yourself over. And if you go over that number, you could potentially get rid of it or you can or you can add a number to that. So you got to start playing more cards on top of it. And you're trying to do this for three different cards while also trying to solve this mystery quote unquote before Sherlock Holmes does. And he keeps moving every time, you know, you give a clue to somebody and you're, it's really a race against time. Like, okay, why is somebody trying to tell me this right now? Do they want me to play this card right now because they think it's going to help me? Are we focusing on something? And recently we just, we just played some basic game recently, but some of the harder difficulties they have, I believe it comes with six cases, which nowhere near even discovering those yet. 
<laughs> those things they look so hard like where you got a you got maybe like five or six clues to give and or else you you're gonna lose the game and it, it's crazy but the nice thing is there's some special powers that you can use to give yourself a little edge and it tells you a difficulty like oh this this person makes the game harder this makes it easier but it's crazy i i like tanabi as a game it was just a little bit kind of bland with oh we're just trying to see how high of a score we can get and that that's kind of I don't really enjoy that in games. Like, oh, let's try to beat our best score. But this one actually gave a purpose to doing it. And I really enjoyed it. It's a crazy game. I think it's harder to find now, but who knows? It might be coming back in print. So I have the consulting detective, but I have the one in the faux leather bound binder from probably when I was a teenager still. I, I have it as well. I have the, not the newest version of, consulting detective but the last version okay where it's it essentially has like the same cover as the old 1980s version yeah yeah that's that's from my, when mine was and i have one of the expansion boxes too because i ordered the base set and then one of the expansions i think it's called the queen's park affair or something like that but we're not talking about consulting detective yes, we're, we're talking about my sorry. number 71 beyond baker street all right and that's all i got and then we're going to jump over to my 70. This is a car racing game published by GMT Games, designed by Jeff Horger, Carla Horger. This is called Thunder Alley. Um, I actually own Grand Prix. I am more of a Formula One fan than a NASCAR fan, stock car racing fan. But I have not played Grand Prix yet, so that's why I had to throw Thunder Alley onto my list. <laughs> um, because the couple of times that I played this game, I have really enjoyed this one. Um, you are controlling a group of cars, trying to move them around a track um, with cards that you're playing. And you really want to try to move your cars together and and make sure you're staying with the pack. Because there was one time where I tried to make a move and everybody shot around me and my cars fell to the back of the pack. And I was fighting my way back up. Um, really fun game. It can be played two to seven players. So you could get a lot of cars on the track, um, a lot of people jockeying and just trying to move around for a position with their cars. Um, if you're a car racing fan, Thunder Alley is definitely a good one. I've heard mixed reviews on Grand Prix, but like I said, um, Grand Prix from GMT as well. I picked that one up because I am more of a Formula One fan. So I need to get that one to the table already because I've had that game for a little while. But I just, Kim's not a huge racing fan. So getting her to play actual car racing games like this is isn't something that she's really, I think she'd rather play a co-op right now than a racing game. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just set that mark there. So you kind of know where, where we stand, but Thunder Alley, I really enjoyed it when, when I played it, I thought it was really cool. Um, and that's probably not going to be the last um, racing game that's on my list. Oh, I really doubt it. <laughs> I really doubt it. Okay. You're number 70. My 70 to kick off the second half of our list today is a filler game that is so exciting it has an exclamation point in its name this one is called no thanks i have this and i've never played it and kim was asking me the other day she goes what is that car card game over there i'm like i don't know i picked it's it up no thanks man no no I, no, no, no thanks no thanks you want to play that no thanks no. <laughs> <laughs> but dude it's it's so simple all, all you got is you 
you have cards. I I forgot what they're. They're like two to thirty five, I believe. And every, you shuffle them up, and you remove you remove a certain amount in the round. All you do is when it's your turn. If there's no card in the middle of the table, you flip one up, and then you say, "I'm going to take it," or you say, "No thanks." And when you say "No thanks," you put a little chip that you have on it. And if you don't have any chips, you got to take the card. So what you do is you keep going around there and you go to the next player and they, they have the same choice. Take the card or say no thanks, put a chip on it. And you keep going around there and eventually someone's going to take that card with all the chips on it because what's going to happen is at the end of the game, whatever the number is on the card, they're going to add up and that's going to be your score. However, you're trying to have the lowest score. So, And what's going to happen is at the end... You have the cards, but every chip that you have in your hand, each one of those is a negative point, so it brings your score down. So eventually, sometimes, you're just going around there, and some card comes out, and nobody wants it. And you're like, okay, well, this is easy. And you, you sit there and say, well, I'm going to take it, but then you realize nobody wants it, so you're just, you're just kind of a dick to somebody. You're saying, well, I don't want it right now, and you're just forcing everyone to put chips on there. <laughs> but sometimes you might just screw yourself over because eventually it might have uh, so many chips on it that it just becomes too much for somebody not to want to take. So they just say, hey, give me all those. And it's really great. The only other thing that you can do is if you have a straight of cards doesn't matter how high it is or not but if you have a straight like five six seven your score is the lowest number so in that case it would just be five and then you just add up all the other numbers that aren't in sequential order and it's a crazy thing it's it's such a fun filler game i think it plays up to seven players but it's one i haven't had anyone hate yet it cool it's it's so simple it's so fun pick it up i can't wait for the new version to come out sadly since mayfair is no longer around which their version i have but it looks like the new version that's coming out has some pretty nice art and i would like to get that one yeah i think i have the mayfair one as well so that's number 70 no thanks oh you know we're going to jump over to number 69 a little game published by hans unglick designed by michael kiesling a 2007 game okay vikings Oh, damn you. Damn you. I remember the first time I played this game, I played this with um, Jim and Jack down at the store, not the mm-hmm. owner. Um, and they taught this game to me, and it has kind of – I don't know if you want to say it's a rondel mechanism because there's a purchasing wheel that's in the center. And on your turn, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be buying a tile and a worker, and you're going to be building out um, different – I hate to say locations. You're trying to basically build out a long column, column, a row, I guess is the the row of tiles. Um, And you're going to be scoring for that. And I somehow fumbled upon this whole fisherman um, component to the game. (laughs) I built out my fisherman row real long and had like hardly any points. And at the end of the game, like loop past those guys and they just when we were scoring they were just like what the hell just happened and how did you do that (laughs) (laughs) and jack was like he goes i've heard of people doing that before he goes but i've never seen it done he goes holy crap does that work (laughs) and i was like because i had never they had both played it before 
and I had never played it before. And I was like, I'm just going to do this. It just seems to be working for me. And it was what was available to me to purchase. So I kind of just stuck with this thing and just kept rinsing and repeating. And it worked. And we still, we still laugh about this whenever we see the game, because those guys will both just say the fisherman. I'm like, yeah, I remember that game. Trust me. (laughs) So, so first of all, first of all, I got to, I got to say your impression of Jack is terrible. Well, I was for, even trying to trying to well, sound well, like well, it. J- well, but no, just, just just the way he talks, it's at least gonna be like, that's some bullshit over here. He'll say something <laughs> like that. That's the first thing. Second of all, you're gonna hate me because I bought that this year. I know. So we need to play that one. And I want I really, to. I really, I really like Vikings. I think it's a really, I think it's a really cool game. I really like that whole rondelle. If you want to call it a rondelle, that's in the middle there, that pricing wheel. Um, it's pretty simple to learn. There's a hell of a lot of strategy to it, though, because it's very easy for it. I don't want to say it's screw your neighbor, but it's very easy for one of your opponents to take something that you might need um, to to kind of build out one of your rows, you know. And so it's it's really cool. I I, I kind of really liked it. It's a game I've never added to my collection, and I probably should. Yeah, you should. I, I did one of those. I didn't even you know? play it. I did. Oh. <laughs> I played it at least. <laughs> well, my bad. My right. my newfound love of Michael Kiesling games made me want it, so I bought it. All right, you're number sixty nine. All right, my sixty nine is a game about food. I don't know if there's an innuendo in there or not, but I don't know. Let <laughs> me know. <laughs> but my sixty nine is a filler game, kind of a sequel to a filler game. And it's probably one of the best filler games that my not-so-heavy Eurogamer group outside of the store has enjoyed immensely. It's a good introduction to drafting games. This is Sushi Go Party. Party! And it's a simple game where you're just getting cards, picking them, pass them, score at the end of the round, and sushi go party it just upped the variability of everything and you can customize that game however you want so every one is different now it's still a light game but it's pretty easy to pick up it's probably my my game to go to if we say okay you need to learn to play a drafting game sushi go is it and party goes up to eight players now has a ton of variability just a perfect game, perfect filler game, and it's only like twenty bucks. It is. It, it that's a good family game. Yes. All right, my number sixty-eight from twenty fourteen, published by CGE Check Games Edition, designed by Matis Kotri. Alchemists. Oh. I don't know if you've ever played this one. No, I ha- I need to. So this is a worker placement game, but. But there is a hell of a lot more to it than that. Um, You're going to have a screen in front of you that you're trying to mix different alchemical potions in. And you're trying to basically figure out different combinations of ingredients um, via an app that is on your phone. And it's really interesting. The deduction part of the game is the hardest thing to figure out and learn. Once you kind of figure out... 
how you are, how to start guessing at different things. Cause basically at the beginning, you really just have to start guessing and mixing different ingredients to see what it comes up with. And from there, it kind of tells you where on your board you can mark and what it is. And from there, you're just trying to branch out to actually figure out some of the different um, mixtures that you can make. And when you find a good mixture, you can then take that and present it to the um, College of Wizards, or I can't remember what it was called on the board. And you can actually get uh, more you know, points for that um, based on, you know, the, the, the al- alchemy potion that you just created. Um, a very, very interesting worker placement game with this deduction piece into it, along with the app that makes it really, really interesting. I think this was one of the early worker placement games that I actually purchased in my collection because I bought this thing like day one because I wanted to try the app. Um, and it's, it was really cool. I haven't played it recently, um, but I do need to get this one to the table again. I need to get the expansion for that one, too. We need to get the expansion to a lot of games. Yes, you are <laughs> correct. <laughs> Buy all the expansions. Buy more expansions. All right. So your 68 is Alchemists. Yes. My 68, uh, I don't know, maybe it sticks with somewhat of the same theme with like medieval stuff, kind of. All right, you're stretching. I'm listening. <laughs> My 68 is a family style game turned into a more gamery type game. This is from I Know the Designer, Bruno Cathala. And it actually came out last year. So, one of the more recent titles I've put on this list so far Queen Domino. Nice. Okay. You're, you're over sitting there like, what the hell is wrong with you, bud? No, no, no. I like that game. I mean, we own King Domino, but I have not purchased Queen Domino, but I like Queen, Dom- Queen Domino better than King Domino. Yes, and all it was is I, King Domino won, won the Spiel Award, and I picked it up because I love the designer, and it seemed like a nice, light game. I still don't get why people adore that so much. It's very kind of generic to me. But Queen Domino is the game that I believe King Domino should have been with just the addition of like two or three extra rules. And it turned it into a basic game, into a gamer game. Yeah, agreed. And that's all I got to say. It's I love the art style for both games. And it's I'm, it's it's very simple to play, but this one's a little more deep. I'm waiting for Queen Domino to come out with a um, bigger set like they did for King Domino. Yeah, don't say that because I'll I'll end up buying the big set like I did the the King Domino one too. Kim and I really like that one. We like playing King Domino with the variant rules where you're playing with everything instead of just the smaller grids. When you you go with the 7x7, it definitely changes it when you're doing two-player. Yeah, it's definitely the way to go. And you can do the same thing with Queen Domino. It's a little more exciting though. So that's, that's 68. That's Queen Domino. All right, my number 67 is a game from Cosmos. Michael Reinick, Stefan Stadler, 2006, just recently republished. I can't remember if it was the end of 2017 or the beginning of 2018, The Pillars of the Earth. I think it was 2018 is when it came, is when it was reprinted. 
because this one was out of print for quite a while. Um, this was an early worker placement game. This was one of the granddaddies, I guess you could say, of worker placement games. Um, and just the first time I played it, I was like, wow. And I had not played this one until maybe like a year or two ago. So I didn't, you know, I would say probably maybe two years ago. Um, so I didn't play this early on in my gaming career because it was one very hard to get. Not too many people had it. And then, um, one of our buddies, Joe brought it down to the, to the game store and I got to play it one night and I was like, Oh, this is awesome. You know, and some people say it's an older style worker placement game. There have been a lot that have come out since then that have taken worker placement, you know, to a, to a different level or something. But I just, I thought it was a, it was just a great game. I just really enjoyed the worker placement aspect of it. So for me, that's why it made my list. Yeah, I need to try that one out. I still I want to I want to pick up the reprint. I didn't pick it up yet, but that's another one that's on my on my wish list right now. Well, I believe good old Dave has it, so yeah, I think he did pick it up. We'll force him to do it. I don't think it. he likes it though. I thought he didn't like it. I thought he did. Well, we'll get a text message when he hears this. So somebody somebody said they they didn't care for it. That that is in our play group, and I can't remember who it was. Okay, hmm. maybe it shows its age. I don't know. I haven't played it yet. I. Would like it's, to. It's, it's I would try it out. One. It's a good. It's it's it's. You should definitely try it. See, but before I continue on here, it's it's really interesting how this is going so far because I'm noticing you you have a lot of a good mixture of games right now as far as like years wise goes. Oh, yeah. I have a gambit of games, but I've I think I've been gaming a few more years than you. Yeah, that's true, and I, I've. I know I have some old ones like No Thanks before that. That's an older one. I I really got to go back and play some of these older ones. I th- I think that's the phase I'm in right now. Is I'm I'm still discovering new stuff, but these old games are just as new to me. So, and even even when people say like what they say for Pillars of the Earth, you know, oh, it's an older style worker placement game. There's newer ones that do it better. There, that may be true. But some of those old, it's still a great game. It's still a lot of fun. You're still going to have a, a good time with it when you play it. You know, when you pull it out with a group of people and you play it, it's it's not you're going to be like, oh, that was that's no fun or whatever. It, it's still fun. <laughs> I mean, just because it has, just because it's a little older, you know, doesn't mean it's, you know, just throw it off to the side and never play it again. I mean, there, there's a lot of older games that when, and I think that's one of the reasons why I like going down to the local game store that we go to and hang out at. There's so many different people down there that have such a wide collection of games from many years, mm-hmm. you know, a wide range of years. And you get to play some of these older games and experience them stuff that you can't find on the shelf anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, so it's really great though. Some some of these older games are a lot better than some of these newer games I've played. Oh, I definitely. Say, I will say that now. I, I I will spoil it that there are some older games further up my list that are phew, probably before I was in high school even. <laughs> so that's a whole thing. Okay, but let's let's go back to here. I'm gonna yeah, for some reason seven. My my theme today seems to be more family style games. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm noticing that you kind of like hit like a a grouping of family style games, and I'm like euros and this and that well and and see i think what it is is 
like I kind of started off with the family style games and then yeah. it seems like as soon as I started coming up to the store, then I got hooked on like the medium euros and such. So, th- so maybe it's just that, you know, as I'm playing more stuff, the, the lighter games are going down a little bit for me, right? but they're still enjoyable. So, well, if these games are on here on my list, just wait till you get to my top 20. <laughs> I, it's going to be interesting to see see what both of ours are because you're going to think I'm crazy. But we're not in there yet. All right. My my 67 is a game that I have bought twice. What you talk? What you talk about, Willis? The second time. Would second you buy time a game twice, sir. Because because I got a collector's edition. Oh, you got to be all fancy. I got a collector's edition, which coincidentally was part of my wedding photos. It was as part of my cake topper, both the base game and the expansion. And this this game, coincidentally with my my wedding cake photo toppers and everything like that, coincidentally it's about eating food. It's about eating panda food. <laughs> it's called Takenoko. I don't, I don't know if I've ever played this one. All right, well, I, I I don't know if you would like it or not because it is a lot lighter. We've we've I think I've seen I think I've, we've seen it played on tabletop. It, it's it's a simple game. All you it, are you doing? It's, it's, it's lighter, it's but action selection. Roll roll a die. Maybe get a free action to do something, and then we like you, light games over here. But it, it this is one of those games. It's definitely more visual, and even the collector's edition enhances that because. The, the base game, you're building up the little bamboo trees, and they're really small, like maybe just a little bit larger than your fingernails, perhaps. But that collector's edition, those thing, those pieces of bamboo, they're like maybe from maybe like half of my finger size, maybe a little more than that even. That, that thing just gets giant, and it look when it's on the table, it's almost like you're building a a forest of bamboo on the table and it, it really people will look at it and be like, what is going on here? And it's, it's a simple game. The expansion made it just more choices, a little, little bit more gamery, still not so much, but all, all it is is just a race to try to complete some goal cards and get points from them. I'm not going to go too much into it, but it's a crazy game. It's, a good gateway. I think people who like a cutesy art design will like it. It's it's definitely okay. one of it's one of the more appealing looking games art wise, and just the way it builds out on the table makes it one of the more visual games that I own. And it's it's a great investment. The that collector's edition, damn that thing is expensive. <laughs> I, I i didn't buy the base game version of it i bought the i bought the expansion collector's edition but the base game was a gift to me so that kind of helped me with that cool. <laughs> but it's a great game any family should own it i think my all 67 right. takinoku all right my 66 mm-hmm. published by dice hate me games designed by ben rossett from 2013 mm-hmm Another worker placement game. See a pattern here. See what I like. <laughs> Brewcrafters. Well, I thought this would have been higher. 
Um, that's it's right around the middle, sixty six. That's not that bad. All right, all right. Um, I've only played it a couple of times. I haven't played it a lot. I'd like to get it to the table a little bit more. Is it is a little bit heavier of a game, um, and in this game you're basically brewing beers. Um, you're going to have different recipes that you're going to try to get resources for. Um, you're going to have to build out your brewery and have your different um, storage place for them and everything. So, um, worker placement game. But it's, I love worker placement games, and this one's about brewing beer, so you can't pretty much go wrong in that department. <laughs> so that is my 66. Nice. And yeah, that, that, yeah, that one... I really like that one, surprisingly. I'm not a beer drinker, and I'm not a worker placement fan, but that one was fun. Yeah. I almost, I almost picked it up one time. It was, I found it for like 20 bucks. I almost, I almost picked it up. For 20 I don't I, know I, how you couldn't have passed. I, I, probably, I probably should have. You, you know what you should do? You should why get you the... Should have, why you would have passed that up? I don't know. You, you should get the custom uh, Meeple Source uh, resources for that game. Okay, sure. You should, man. That's, they, they look sweet. You need to look they that up. They do look sweet, and they're probably the price of another game. They're not <laughs> that like, bad. Just like pimping out all those games, it's usually the price of another game. Hey, hey sometimes pimping out a game is worth more than buying a, buying a new game. Yes, I, yes. I like pimping out games. So, All right. My 66, I actually got somewhat of a medium euro, maybe, maybe on the lighter side. This is a theme that I'm usually not big on, the Wild West, or the early 1800s in America. But it is from one of my favorite designers, who makes lighter family Euro games. This is Gold West. I've not played that one. Gold West is interesting because what you're doing every turn is you're moving these resources on your little Mancala board. And whatever pops off your board, you get to use those to do certain actions. And the most basic one is building on this map around the board. And whenever you build on a map around the board, you get more resources, which you then place on your Mancala and get points. And then all what you're doing is you're just trying to use all these resources for whatever the hell you want. it's You're just trying to get points in whatever way possible. And there are so many different ways to go for it that every game is different. The, the map is different every game. The resources that come out, those are randomized tokens. The, there's different goals that you can hit with, with your things. There's somewhat of a push-your-luck mechanism where you could potentially lose a lot of points at the end of the game because you may not be able to build something on a turn, and if you can't, you gotta you got to put your little tents that you have on a negative space, and at the end, if you have the most there, you're losing more points. It's a crazy game. It's very easy to pick up because it, it, like, it seems like you're doing a whole lot of stuff there but it only takes like 45 minutes and it's, cool. it's really like you feel like you played a whole two hour game, but it only took 45 minutes and it's not, it doesn't drag. So it, that's the nice thing about it, mm. but it's, it's a, it's a game. It's, I, I really liked it. I think it's coming back into print from what I keep hearing, but people should be on the lookout for it. All right. 
66 gold west. All right, my 65, published by Fantasy Flight Games, designed by Frank Brooks, Stephen Hand, Kevin Wilson. Um, the third edition, it says here, was released in 2015. I didn't think it was released that long ago. And that's called The Fury of Dracula. This is a one versus many style game. I think this is possibly one of the only that I can think of one versus many style games on my list. <laughs> one person is playing Dracula. The others are playing the actual hunters who are trying to hunt him down. Each player will have their own powers that they have, and it, they will be working together to try to figure out where Dracula is and defeat him um, before he gets to, before so many rounds, I think, goes by, I think, of what it is. Um, the third edition, I think, looks really nice. Um, the first two editions were, from what I had seen, always very expensive. And this was a game I had always wanted in my collection. Um, so I was super stoked when Fantasy Flight reprinted it. Um, that was an instant buy for me. And I've really enjoyed playing this one. We haven't played too many of these one versus many style games that I can think of. It's a, it's a harder genre to, yeah. to play for us. Cause you, you really do need like the max amount of players. This one, you almost need the max and this one, you need quite a while. This was a little bit longer of a game. So this, this, this one is, you know, if you go down to the game store, this is probably the only game you're going to get in for the evening. Mm -hmm. I have a couple one versus many games that I like, but we'll, we'll see if they show up on the list. All right. We'll keep an eye out for them. All right. So my number 65, I believe we're on. Yes, sir. Is, I believe this would classify as a medium Euro game. Dun, dun, dun. Where players play as different spies around Europe. This is a worker placement game where the workers are dice. And this game is from the designer of a game I mentioned in the last 20 on, our, on my list, the creator of Fuse. This game is Covert from Renegade Game Studios. And I, I think this game is one that doesn't get a lot of love. I think it's overlooked. Yeah, it doesn't. But this one... I don't get to play it that much. I really need to because it's it's pretty insane. And all, all you're doing every round is you're rolling these dice, and then you're you got a few actions at the top of the board. You're gonna place the dice on them. And each action has a number one through six in a circle. And whatever die you place it on, whoever places next on that one has to play one of the numbers that is next in line. So if you play a one the next person has to play like a two or a six because that's what goes around in a circle. And then once all that happens and turn order is figured out after that, you get to unlock a code, which is kind of a weird part of the game that kind of breaks up the pace where you're trying to match three numbers on the board in a row and get some points that way to get some secret items unlocked. And the main gist of the game is 
you're trying to get these little spies you have moving across this map of Europe, and you're trying to just complete different missions, which may be putting these guys in certain cities or getting certain items and trading them in for points. And that's, that's the basic gist of the game. But it, it's a little weird to, to wrap your head around at first, but it is very simple and it's, it's a, it's a little bit of a unique game and it's kind of, it's weird how I don't really see anyone talk about it except for a few people, but I, those who actually play it, they're like, this is a really good game. Yeah, so it's, it, it's, I, from what I've seen down at the store, it doesn't get played a lot. I know when it first came out, there were a couple of weeks you saw it played, but um, it just didn't seem to get any sort of movement or get any sort of hold on anybody. I mean, we played it once and it was like, okay, that was cool. Next. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that happens that was, with a lot of games. Yeah, I mean, that happens with a lot of games, but that one just, you know, it was okay. There's nothing wrong with it, but. Well, boo you, man. Make I'm not saying there was anything wrong with it. <laughs> I'm not making fun of your list. I'm just saying it was just, it was one that I just thought was okay and just didn't, it just, it just didn't grab me per se. I think the more, the more I played it, the more I enjoyed it. So that's possible with the one and done culture we have down at the store. Sometimes it's a yeah. little bit difficult. So it, it, it happens, but I believe that was published by Renegade, right? Correct. Because my 64 was published by Renegade as well. Ooh. Designed by Adam McIver. This is a game from 2017. Ex Libris. So Ex Libris is a worker placement game. What you're trying to do is you're trying to collect um, books um, that are going to be placed in a tableau in front of you to build like a bookshelf. Kind of like a little library. Um, each card will have... Um, various books on there. The books fall into different categories. There could be a category that you want to avoid for the round. There could be each player will be given a category that they want to concentrate in for points at the end of the game. Um, And one of the things I think that's very interesting with this game is the locations that you visit during the game are variable. There are going to be tiles that you're going to shuffle up and place out um, based on the number of players um, you know, you're going to put out so many tiles per round. One of those tiles will stay at the end of the round. The rest will go away and the new tiles will come out. So it's kind of constantly the, the tiles that stay are growing, but they will be different every game because it all depends on how they were shuffled and how they come out. That is one aspect of the game that I think is really kind of unique for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're, you're always going to have different locations to visit, which will allow you to do different actions. Hmm. So, and I thought this one was just really kind of cool when we played it. I mean, Kim and I have played this one multiple times. We need to do a video for this one. I don't think we've done a video yet. So we need to try to do a video for this one already. So we'll have to get that on the list of videos to do. I'm trying to think if I played this or not. Ex Libris? You haven't played, you yeah, know. I still, I still haven't played it. I've, I've tried, I've tried to set it up like for a solo game, but I've still never yet to play it completely solo or with anyone. So, I bought it as a birthday gift to myself, but still haven't played it. We'll have to, try, we'll have to try to get this one played. It's a good one. It's, it's not a super heavy one. It's not, it's not a heavy worker placement game. You know, but 
The other interesting part about the game is the strategy of when you're building that library, that tableau of books in front of you. Each card that I was talking about that has the books on there, not only are there certain colored books that you need to um, build your tableau and that you're trying to score points off of, you also need to make sure that your um, shelving unit from upper left to lower right, when you're building your rows across, follow the alphabet as well as a numerical sequence. So you need to make sure you're going A, B, C. You don't necessarily, you know, you can go A, C, E, you can skip letters, um, but you need to make sure that you're going alphabetically so it scores properly. You also need to make sure like A1 is before A2, you know, Mm -hmm. or is, you know, things like that. So there's certain things you need to watch for when you're placing the cards or, you know, the cards that have the books on them from your hand into your tableau and building out that shelf um, because you don't want to you don't want to have it break up with the sequencing of of the alphabet hmm. so it's really interesting really cool i can't believe you haven't played it yet i think <laughs> you and you you and yuki would probably both really like this one it's 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 a, it's not a light game it's a lighter to medium style game i would say but one that's very easy to pick up on um the look of it is gorgeous the the players, all the different um, meeples that you have in the box, each character or each person will have a different character. Each character has a different set of powers or has has one different power, you know, that they that does, lets them do an action or lets them do something. Um, so it's it, there's a lot of variability in the game between those different locations coming out, between playing as all of the different um, people that they give you and all the different workers, you know, that are in the box. Um, there's a lot of different choices. And a lot of different um, structure for the game. So it's really cool. I really like it. X Libris was my 64. Okay, my 64 is a game that I picked up on an impulse when I saw it and looked it up in the store. And it reminded me of a Korean TV show that I watched around that time that was based on a manga that was called Liar Game. And in it, it was, uh, first of all, it was a good show. And in it, these characters played a game where essentially they were two countries trying to smuggle money between the, between their country and then across the border, quote unquote. And before they crossed the border, they had to talk to an inspector And the inspector would figure out to say if they were trying to smuggle money over to the other border and if they opened up their suitcase and there was no money in there, they would essentially lose points or money themselves. And when I saw this game, it kind of it really reminded me of that concept. However, this one was based on the Robin Hood mythos. It's a Dice Tower Essential called Sheriff of Nottingham. And this game, it's not one I've played recently. But when you get a good group of people together... I was just going to say that. that, That's the the main fault of this game, is it's really group-dependent. But I'll tell you what, when we get get some of our friends together to play this game, some of us get into character, and it gets crazy sometimes. That's... when the game turns out like that, it that turns out to be a very, very good game. 
Yes. So uh, it, it's it's been crazy. People really like that one, and I, I don't fault them. It's if you play it like you're trying to do a whole crazy strategy game, you're not going to like it. But if you're just playing CD or pants, it's a lighter bluffing game. I mean, that's yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I still have, sum it up. I need to play the expansion. I picked that up, but we still haven't played it yet. So I don't think. Yeah, I don't think I've played the expansion. Well, I'm going to try it sometime. All right, you do that. I will. <laughs> All right, that was your 64. Leads into my 63, a game from 2012 published by Arcane Wonders, designed by Brian Pope, Benjamin Pope. It was renamed in 2015. My box is the bigger box that says Mage Wars. Most people may know it lately as Mage Wars Arena. This is a game where two mages are fighting against each other. You have a board. You Each mage will have a book of cards. And this is something that I think attracted me to this game more than anything. Um, is, is the book of spells you have in front of you. Um, being a collectible card game player from back in the day, I really enjoyed those games. But there's a lot of different things that can hamper and change your ability to produce and be successful quickly in those games sometimes, um, depending on how the cards are. With Mage Wars, it kind of like throws that all out the window. So in my spell book, as long as I have the points to purchase a card, I can purchase the strongest card on round one if I want to and get that onto the table. Now I'm probably not going to be able to, but it's not like I have to wait for that strong card which could be at the bottom of my deck if I was playing a CCG to come out. I have any, I have access to any spell in my book at any time. And you can build your spell book any way you want to. And there's different characters, so there's different ways and there's different strengths you know, and weaknesses to a lot of different characters that you're playing um, because each one is based on kind of like, kind of like a different class of mage. Um, and the board, I think, is just another aspect that just adds to the game and kind of just makes it just very different than some of the collectible card games where you're just trying to, you know, play cards and just kill each other really quick. You know, this card, this game is similar to that, but I think it takes it to like the next level by adding in the board and giving you that spell book that you're creating beforehand. Um, the game looks really nice and it's one that I've just enjoyed playing. Hmm. I'll have to try it out. Since you like, what's the one card game that you play? I won't say. I was going to say, I won't say. (laughs) Do you like Ashes? You would probably like Mage Wars, I'm thinking. I mean, it's different. It's definitely different than Ashes. Um, You know, there's, uh, there is dice, I think, in this game, from what I remember. Mm -hmm. But um, it's, it's pretty cool. It's fun. It's a little bit longer of a game, though, too. Okay. Well, let's move on. We're almost done today. Yeah. Close to the end. Let's finish. So let's, take it. Take it to the home stretch. Let's get this going. My last three today. We'll start off with number sixty-three. A game, a cooperative game, that a lot of people are raving about. However, not this version of the game. This game is Pandemic. A lot of people really like Pandemic Legacy. I, for some reason, believe Pandemic, the regular version, is the way to play the game. The Legacy version, I am 
not really a fan of so far from what I've played. But regular Pandemic, it gives you a story in the 45 minutes to an hour that you're playing with it. Each game will be differently in how these diseases come out across the board and what you're trying to do to eradicate them and get rid of them and heal them. I believe it is the best way to play Pandemic Legacy, in my opinion. Right now, I'm only halfway through Season 1, and I haven't played it in probably two years already right now. Is You're going to have to restart. Oh, wait, you can't. It, it, it just kind of forces you to play Pandemic over and over again with really... I haven't seen the story evolve yet from anything interesting, so it, it's weird that I say that. Spoil but it for me because we started playing it a couple weeks ago. Well, just just from what I'm, <laughs> this is my opinion, man. I want to see. I want to hear your thing. I maybe I'll get back to it one day with my family, but who knows? Regular pandemic is the way to go for me. All right, that's my sixty-three. Pandemic. All right, my sixty-two. Since we're talking about story, let's talk about time stories. From Space Cowboys, published in 2015, designed by Peggy Chassanet and Manuel Rosoy. Time Stories is a very interesting game where you have a base game and you can buy modules for, which will tell you different time stories. And you're kind of time traveling back through these different stories and trying to figure things out. Um, it's a co-op game. And considering it's a co-op game and it's a story game, Two things that Kim doesn't care for. She even liked this game. Oh. When we first started playing this, she goes, this is actually pretty cool. Oh. Which really surprised me because I was like, she she does not care for stories in a game. She just really doesn't have any need for it. She just not, wants to kill me. As long as she how how many of the game. modules have you played already? We've only gone through the first one. Okay. So I have several others. We have not had a chance to play them. <laughs> okay. Okay. I get you. Uh, but um, my enthusiasm has dropped a little bit the more I play that game. Oh, really? Yeah, I've, but I've only played completely the first two scenarios and somewhat of the this the third one, um, which I, I would really like to get back into this game. It's just kind of hard to. I, I feel like you need four players to have it be like the best experience. Yep, we're, we were trying to play with two, and I definitely tell that it was lacking a little. I agree with you. It would definitely be something to try to play with four people. I would definitely like to give that a try. I think that would definitely round it out nicely. Um, but it's still a very interesting concept in that they give you a base game and then they're releasing expansions that you can basically use with this base set. And each different one not only tells a different story, it puts you in a different time completely. You know, they're yeah. just totally different stories. I don't want to mess the, you know, do any spoilers for any of them for anybody. But um, it's... You know, it's ranked 43 on Board Game Geek, so it's a pretty popular game, and a lot of people like it. Mm -hmm. That was my 62. I think it's been replaced by Unlock or Exit or these Escape Room games. See, we haven't tried any of those. You keep talking about those, and we have not tried any of those, because I don't know if Kim would like them. I, I, I like them a little better than Time Stories, because it seems like the more Time Stories goes on, it, the less puzzles it has for some reason. Like that second module has very combat heavy, and that was like eh, that one wasn't as fun. But I still enjoy it. I, I need to play some of the modules that I have waiting. Okay, my 62. Right, 62. 
My 62 is an Uwe game. It's a two-player game about making quilts called Patchwork. I don't know if that made mine or not. This one is one that Yuki and I really like playing together. For for some reason, I don't know. I suck at this game. I'm terrible. I I lose all the time. Kim's good at this one, too. But it's one of those games I still can't figure out how to do well in it for some reason. I suck so bad at it. But I'm just trying to sit there and make my quilts and, you know, try to score some button money. And I don't know if I put this on my list. I'm kind of bummed. This is a good game. Kim and I play this one all the time. Why well, I have a feeling you put something else on there eventually. Oh, I'm sure I did. <laughs> but that's, I won't go too much into it. We, we all know how Patchwork plays. It's, it's playing with Tetris shapes and yep. putting a board together and getting button money. And that's the basic gist of it. But it is fun. It's a good two-player game. It's a good couples game. It's, really, it's pretty cheap. Yep. Definitely a solid buy. All right. Finish us off today, Joe, with your final one. I will. My 61, published by Eagle Griffin Games, designed by Mike Fitzgerald, released in 2015. Baseball I'll slap 2045. you. Oh, why is this so low? What do you mean so low? It's a 61. It's so low. So low. I don't, I don't own it. I still like it. I mean, I play the app quite a bit. Um. Baseball Highlights 2045 is um, a deck building game, I guess you could say. You're playing baseball Mm -hmm. and you're purchasing different players and playing against an opponent and trying to just score runs. You have different players who will have different speeds to run around the bases. Um, I really think that that they did a great job in kind of simulating baseball in the way that the different players, each player will play a card from their hand and it kind of simulates the different pitches and possibly hits and runs that you can get. Um, And there's so many expansions to this. I think Dave just got the Kickstarter for this, didn't he? Where he got went all in and got everything. No, I I don't think he did. I thought he did. Did you? No, no, you already had it. I, I uh, swore he did. I didn't go all in, but I do own everything for this game. Yeah. I, I have all the expansion teams. I have all the expansions. I wanted to go all in when it was on Kickstarter, and I didn't because there were a couple other things that um, had come up at that time, so I didn't have the money for it, and I really, really wish I would have because I think Kim and I would really enjoy playing this one because oh, we I, both love deck builders, and I think she would just – she's a big, she's she's a big baseball fan, so I think she would get a really big kick out of this one. Yeah, well, so am I. I'm a I'm a big baseball fan. I've I've pimped out my copy plenty. I've got all the expansions. I've got a sweet play mat for two players. That thing is huge. I actually have some of the expansions here, and I don't even I, own the game. <laughs> <laughs> I got that. I I bought custom meeples for the base runners and hitters. So when you put when you put the guys up on the on home plate there, they're sitting there in a batting stance, and when they're on the field, I can put them in a running position. Aren't you fancy? Yeah, it, it, that's that's a fun game. We'll probably see that later. But okay, I'm going to ruin your day. Uh-oh, number 61, what do you and, got? Well, you, you haven't played this one, but this is a party game. Party-ish game. For a team game. And this is a game with some beautiful artwork. 
and it's it's really a pain in the ass for Euro gamers to play. It's got a nice personality to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's so seductive. That's what it is because it, it is, is Muse. A, I don't know if I play. Have I played it? I don't think you have. I don't think I have. I don't think you have. But um, you come up with all these games I haven't played. Well, that's because you know you stick to these medium euros, and I branch out. <laughs> I play medium euros, but I also play light games too. So I play. Oh, don't even say I don't play light games. <laughs> I have shelves full of light games over here. Yes, and, and Muse Muse is simple. All, all Muse is is it's a team game where the one team will sit there and they'll take six cards and they will discuss these together. And they will have two other cards of another deck. And what they're going to do is they're going to pair one of these six cards, which has some crazy pictures on them. And out of the two cards is a way to describe said picture. And they're going to pass it to the other team, a specific player called the Muse, which can change every round. And what the Muse is going to do, they're going to look at the picture and they're going to follow the clue and they're going to give a clue. Some of the clues might be physical things, like you might have to like do a pose or something, or hum a tune. And some things may just be like, oh, name a movie from like the past 50 years. And then the muse gives that clue, and it gives the card back to the team. They shuffle it up, and they lay out these six cards. And then the team that the muse was on, all the other ones, they have to guess what the, what the card is that, that the muse was trying to describe. It's a little bit like Dixit, but however, I liked this concept better than Dixit, so I decided to get this as my somewhat gamery party game, and it's it's really enjoyable. We I the first time I played it was at the store. Some people loved it, some people hated I it. Saying that, I think I had left that night when you guys pulled that one out and started playing it. Yes, but I I really enjoyed it, and it, it's. It's such a weird concept of how you can describe something. And even if somebody doesn't know what the hell you're talking about, you can somehow convey a message just by what you say. And it's like a weird psychological thing that happens. But it's it's so interesting. I know Dave's a fan of it. We're gonna I'm gonna play it over the phone with you guys again. We're gonna play the co-op version. I'd like to I'd like to try it. I'd like to get Kim to try something like that because I don't know if Kim's tried too many games like that, like Mysterium or anything. She's never really played anything like that. So I'd like her to try like a Dixit or something and see how she is with something like that. I think she might, she might enjoy something like that because that's a little, that's a little bit lighter of a game. And I think she likes the pictures and stuff like that. She would get a kick out of that. I'd actually, we should actually play Mysterium with her. Do you have that? No, I do not. Neither do I. I got rid of my copy a long time ago. Yeah, I remember that. I have I have other games that have replaced it. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to try one of those, but I think that's it for this episode. That was R8261. As we work down to our number ones, and we have a couple of more episodes before we get there, but I think we both have some very interesting lists. It's there has not been a lot of crossover. No. I expected maybe a little bit more. A little disappointed in you, but I guess that's okay. We'll see what happens in the top in the next top sixty that we have. Yeah, you might you might get lucky, man. You I might get lucky. Uh, I'm not gonna hold my breath there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> what All you right, gonna everybody. do, brother? All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week 
with another episode and another 20 more games as we work our way towards our top ones, our top number one games, as well as episode 200 of the podcast. But until then, everybody, go play some games and let us know what you're playing now. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Hey gamers, this is Joe, and hopefully you are enjoying listening to us talk about our top 100 board games as much as we are recording them. As always, you can send us some emails. You can send those to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We do have a guild over there, guild number 2440. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G, like I always say. On Facebook, just do a search for what I'm playing now. On Twitch, you can subscribe to our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. We try to go live Wednesdays and Sundays. Wednesdays is usually around 7 p.m. Sundays. We try to do between 2 and 3 p.m. going live. And you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash what I'm playing now. Until next week, everybody, you know what to do. Go play some games and then let us know what you're playing now. Have a great week gaming, everybody, and we will see you later. Bye-bye.